What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 110 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Wednesday, September 19th, 2018. My name's Josh Cannon. I'm here with my co-host, Mike. How you doing, Mike? Doing good. Um, I've noticed that if my parents aren't home, because that's what's going on, they're on vacation right now, I, I'm like even lazier than normal. So uh, I need to get my shit together and use this time when there's nobody here better because uh, getting, you know, waking up like afternoon every day, not not really a good use of my time. Uh, Mike just my Mike just time. admitted that he's going to spank his monkey when his parents are gone. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I just it's. I guess it's one of those things that's like, it's cool, but now it's like everything, it's just so empty and there's like nobody here. And do you have a big house? I never asked you that. It, it is kind of big, especially when it comes to when there's no one here. So it's, it is kind like of how, almost how many, like, how many bedrooms are we talking? Well, okay. There's my bedroom. There's their bedroom. We have a spare bedroom. So there's three bedrooms. There's a bathroom in their bedroom and there's a bathroom uh, in the hall. There's the living room. There's a place my mom likes to call the yoga room, which is just an open space, really. And we have, we even had enough space to put a giant uh, um, dresser with all these different drawers and, and shelves and stuff like that in there and still have a lot of space. Mike, in there. have you ever done yoga in the yoga room? No. Have you ever done the downward, downward dog? No. Down dog. I, I'm not very flexible. My mom <laughs> used to all. do yoga. She used to do yoga like many middle-aged parents who want to stay fit. I think as they age, yeah. she did the VHS yoga tapes and it'd be like... That's funny because my grandmother and my mom used to do that. Yeah. And so it would be like somebody on like the island of like Tahiti or some, sh you know, somewhere that the normal person will never see. The one they used see. to watch was like this, uh, it was, she was, the, the lady wasn't on an island in Tahiti somewhere. She was just this older lady who was in like, you know, these bland looking environments. It was like a room or something like that, or like some part of a studio. And then was just doing her, uh, yoga routines while wearing a skin tight leotard yes, or whatever. Yes, the leotard is a must apparently, but... Yeah, they would. She would be doing these things, and you'd hear this because I, I never actually saw it. I just heard it in the other room because the computer was in the other room at the time, uh, which made it incredibly difficult to look at internet porn. But um, you would just <laughs> you would just hear this bell chime. It'd be like ding, and then the lady would be like, "Downward dog." And I don't even think she said it like Linda Richmond from Coffee Talk. I don't know what when I decided to like. Yeah, I don't know when I decided to embellish it with that voice, but. I just, I don't know. I just got such a thrill out saying, down dog. And it just <laughs> kind of stuck. So now I always like think of that when I, I actually tried doing yoga one time. It's actually incredibly, uh, you, like it's, you got to work up to a lot of the yeah. stretches yeah. and poses and shit. It's kind of If you're hard. not flexible, it, it's difficult. 
I want to be flexible though, because I'm trying to work, like maintain working out, and especially as I enter my 30s, you know, now, now yeah, exercise. I should I should probably do that too, but I, I'm a lazy fucker, I'll admit it. So yeah, you know. <laughs> well, I just always have this fire under my ass all the time in life. I, I've 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 worked on fixing some things, you know, changing some some of my uh, diet around, you know, like not eating as much uh, junk food for breakfast in the morning you know going back you know going to stuff like a healthier alternative like uh cheerios you know honey nut cheerios and yeah. like uh uh honey bunches of oats and stuff like that instead of generic reese's pieces and you know who knows what else with just sugar and not much of anything else in terms of uh, nutritional value. Yeah, I, I feel I've you on that I've also started I... taking vitamins. Oh, okay. I've been I've been eating these gummy vitamins. Yeah. They're really good. Mm-hmm. Um, they're so good. It's like they're like two a day. Don't go. You're not supposed to eat more. And I'm like, yeah, I know. It's it's it, it, they are pretty good. But I want to be healthy um, as fuck, so I'm gonna eat the whole bag. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a bag. It's a it's a it's a, a bottle. Yeah, right. They gotta and make it, it look more medicinal. It cost me a decent amount of money at Walgreens. It cost me like. 13 bucks but i've i recognize at winco it's cheaper it's like eight bucks eight to nine bucks at winco so i'll keep that in mind because you only get 150 what what is a winco oh you don't know what a winco is no we don't have winco is like a uh and 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 kind of like it it's like a grocery it's a grocery store but it just has uh some really good deals and good prices on things it's better than Walmart in a lot of aspects, and it has a lot of selection, uh, and it even has other things there, too. Sounds like uh, a place that hipsters might go to. Is it curated by artisans? No, no, it isn't. Okay. That's Whole Foods or something. Right. Or no. like Trader Joe's or something. Well, there's a Trader Joe's here, too, but we rarely ever go there. Like We used to go to Trader Joe's quite a bit when I was living with my grandmother in Tigard. But, like, we have one that's literally within walking distance of our house, and we don't really go there very often. I, I think what it is is just they're expensive. It's like, we'll go to Winco and get stuff. It's just Trader Joe's is too expensive. And, and the stuff that you get at Trader Joe's, like, it's limited quality, limited quantities. Like, not limited quality, but limited quantities. So, like, you pay, like, an arm and a leg for, like, a little bag of... Sh- of shrimp or something yeah. you know it's just it's, well, it's just, fresh it's Mike. expensive it's all natural it's fresh you got to pay the price for that all natural uh, stuff so some of it isn't fresh though it's frozen that's how they've boiled it down to where um mcdonald's and all that shit is so cheap because it is the most and i mean i know i'm not saying anything new right now and i'm, I'm not trying to act like i'm some like pontificating like theologian but like you know i don't i don't fuck with fast food anymore like that's one thing i definitely have tried to dial back and eliminate completely if i am gonna go eat somewhere i get like panera or something that yeah it does cost a little bit more money but you you the, you can taste the difference in like the freshness well yeah, well yeah i mean but it also depends on what you're getting at the fast food place you know if you're getting a lot of the bargain stuff then yeah it's not going to be that high quality but if you're paying a higher price for some of the more uh quality items on the menu then you know it's usually pretty decent um i i I don't i try to i've been trying to come back with fast food too because it's expensive that's the main thing uh to get the good stuff um except wendy's i think is a good it's a it's a nice uh uh alternative um they're uh four for uh 
I think it was like their four for five deal. It was a pretty good deal. Four for four, I think four for four or four for five. I think it's four for four, actually. It's a really good deal. And um, you get decent sized uh, sandwich and, you know, a little small fry and some chicken nuggets and, Mike, and a drink. When when did we when did we lose our edge? When did <laughs> when did we become this? We started out so fucking cool and now we're talking about four for five deals and fucking wearing sweaters and shit. Like what what happened? I'm not wearing a sweater, I'm wearing my Deadpool shirt. In, right inside now. though, inside yourself, you're wearing a cardigan. Like I can no, I'm not. I can see it in your soul. No, no. Nah. Inside you're driving a minivan listening to <laughs> Uh, Kenny Loggins. And- oh, well, hey, Kenny Loggins <laughs> is fine. See, there? I think you're talking about Kenny G. No, no, I'm I'm talking. Look, Mike, I'm the same way. I was on my way to get a fucking turkey sandwich the other day, and I popped on the XM radio, and they have a station called Yacht Rock, and I listen to that shit the whole to and fro from the. the I, I, I don't think I'd be listening to Yacht Rock, okay? dude. I'm telling Kenny, you, you would be down Kenny- with the shit they were playing on, on that station. They were playing. They're playing uh, Michael McDonald. They're playing Chicago. They're playing Steely Dan. To be Dan. perfectly honest, I, I I mentioned Michael McDonald because I think it's kind of funny the way he sings. There's only like one song I could think of that I like by him, and it's from the soundtrack to the movie Running Scared. The other and I and and so I I probably wouldn't like that. I'd be like, we change the change the station to like hair metal Mike, or something do, or eighties music. Don't fight the dad within you. He wants oh, to. Come he wants to come out. Bullshit. You don't no. have to have kids to be a dad. You don't. You, you can just be by yourself in your house and be a dad. Technically, it's a life. I'm not, not going to be listening to yacht rock, and I, I don't see how it's talking about like certain you know food. You know places. Why don't and... we steal away? Steal away. <laughs> Why don't we steal away? Into what, they the play night? sailing by Christopher oh, Cross you bet, too. You bet they did. I love that song. Anyone has a problem with sailing? They need to like really look inside themselves and 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 ask themselves what they're really about, because if you, well, I guess, uh, I guess, I guess I'm one of those people then, because I don't like that song, dude. <laughs> if you can put that song on a good set of speakers and sit back and and relax, and I don't l- like his voice. That's the main problem I have. Silly. Well, it's not like there's some money. At least it's uh, not uh, for me. And if the wind is right, you can find a way. Dude, he has a beautiful voice. He sounds like Kermit. Even Kermit. And then, and then he's got that song, I want to ride, ride like the wind. Kermit the Frog parodied him in an I of the 80s or I of the 70s segment. God, those, and those Kermit shows, the Frog dude, actually those shows sang were the beginning of that hipster, everything's ironic, so bad it's good. I, well, not necessarily. I believe I mean, those shows started that, <laughs> the I love the 80s shit on VH1. I think they started the, and look what they were wearing. And it's like, so what? You, Look what you're wearing. Have you? It's some of that stuff you have to be honest. Well, know, is pretty fucking bad. Yeah, I agree. But dude, they made fun. And of- they weren't ironically liking everything on that show. Some of the stuff they actually genuinely did like. Very and were few praising times. And very few with. times did they. Maybe you need to watch like that series again. No, I don't. I've watched that series tons of dude, times. Dude, me too. I watched all the iterations too. I love the eighties three three D. I love the eighties Strikes Back. Dude, they made fun of. I don't remember it being just oh ironic stuff. I, I do. They made fun of unsolved mysteries, man. Like, how many passes are you going to give this show? <laughs> they did. They made fun on Unsolved Mysteries. They're like, oh, the reenactments were so bad. Urgh. 
It's like well, you, yeah, that, you're completely that, missing the point, you fucking moron. <laughs> well, there were some people who were also saying I'm it upset. was pretty scary. All right. <laughs> so, guys, this is a podcast about the show. I guess about stuff that triggers Josh apparently. No, see, whenever I do, like, whenever I do the <laughs> podcast after I work out, I'm always like more high energy. Like if I don't work out and I do the podcast, I'm like, okay, let's get through this fucking podcast. <laughs> the first case we're we'll talking about is Wadada. Um, <laughs> but no, it's about the show and solve mysteries mostly. Although we do talk about cults and other things sometimes, and murders of the. The West Memphis three people and this, that, and the other. So if you want to go back through our our vast catalog of material that is mediocre at best, then uh, I suggest you do that. If you want to contribute to us on Patreon, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. There's various benefits. You get the podcast early. That's the first benefit. Second benefit is uh, for each dollar... You contribute. Uh, Mike gets a can of uh, Campbell's chicken noodle soup for lunch. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, you you're feeding me? you're feeding the hungry. And when yeah. I say feeding the hungry, it's like yeah, Mike's not starving. He's not in like malnutrition mode, but he gets hungry sometimes. So technically, you are feeding the hungry. <laughs> me, I'm doing fine. I don't need the money, so <laughs> I <don't, laughs> so I don't. You know, nothing goes to me, but it all goes to Mike. Um, no, it doesn't. <laughs> oh yeah, you're right. It doesn't. I do take half because I do more. I do a lot of the work. Anyway, um, uh, you can also join our Facebook group uh, by going to Facebook and typing in uh, "Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries." You know, you guys seem to not have a problem finding the group. I'm always getting people wanting to join. And then you get the people in there who don't understand that I'm not going to let you in if you don't answer the two questions. Or at least answer the question that says, are you joining this group because you listen to the Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries podcast? The amount of people who say no and still want to join, it blows my mind. It's like, well, then why are you, <laughs> like, why are you wanting to join this group? Like, this is only for our podcast and yes there are some benefits to the group that i can't name but it should be about the podcast first anyway um our first case that we're gonna be talking about is one that we've surely mentioned before but i guess we've never actually talked about it on here in an official capacity and if we did then you're getting a second helping so have fun but that would be the case of wadada dude fucking wadada god i fucking ha hate that name with a passion like I was telling Mike before we started the podcast. This is only this is the only the type of person that you would encounter on like some like overly free thinking college campus where you know there's always a guy out in the courtyard playing an it's acoustic guitar. It's a university guitar. in New Mexico. Yeah. So hacky sacks and acoustic guitars abound, and uh, people like Wadada are seen as uh, I guess these visionaries. It actually doesn't give many much details about the guy, but I'm just assuming that's what the the deal dealio was with him. To me, he just seemed like a homeless guy who just hung hung around campus. He was really a homeless guy. I doubt this chick would have been like, "Oh, Wadada, come into my apartment where I'm all alone and take you know borrow anything you want." Hey, free thinking. That's true. Checkmate on that one, Mike. Um. So anyway, 17-year-old Sarah Beard was a freshman sociology student at the University of New Mexico in Albuquerque. That's another reason. She's a sociology student, so maybe it was kind of like a way to 
social experiment. See firsthand. So at 4 p.m. on December 8th, 1988, oh, I was like two months old, her mother Susan arrived at her off-campus apartment. Throughout the day, Sarah had not responded to repeated calls from her parents. Susan obtained a key from the landlord and entered the apartment. She ca- This is horrifying. Yeah. This is an absolutely horrifying sight for anyone to see. Uh, but definitely, I mean... Well, I don't know if definitely is the right word, but in particular, a mother seeing their daughter in this type of situation. Yeah. So she called out to Sarah, but received no response. She then heard a rasping noise coming from the far side of Sarah's bed, almost like a death rattle. She was shocked to find her daughter laying there, beaten and unconscious. She had been raped and struck in the back of the head with a hammer approximately 11 times. Three of the blows were strong enough to fracture her skull and jaw. Ah, even reading that, my jaw just feels sensitive yeah. right now. I can't imagine how painful a jaw fracture or a jaw break would be. Because I mean, I was lucky I didn't break more of my face when I got hit by a car and flew 15 feet in the air and landed face first on the asphalt. Yeah. I mean, I could have broke my jaw. Yeah. Or... Because, you know, it's like a moving Skull. part, you know, on your face, yeah. you know? Oh, God. So she was rushed into emergency surgery, which lasted until 1 a.m. on December 9th. Miraculously, she survived. At first, she was unable to verbally communicate due to the injuries to her jaw. Wanting to identify her attacker, her parents decided that they would ask her questions and have her respond by squeezing her father's hand. When she answered several questions correctly, they decided to ask her to identify her attacker. James did this by going through the alphabet, asking her to squeeze his hand when he got to the first letter of the attacker's name. After going through almost the entire alphabet, the Beards feared that the hand squeezes were just a fluke. However, she finally squeezed his hand again when he reached the letter W. They then asked her if the attacker was her friend Wadada. She confirmed this by squeezing his hand again. Wad. So, see, that's the other reason why she trusted him, because they were friends. Well, yeah, I mean, she, she let the dude into her, her apartment, so. I wonder how close of friends they were, though. Yeah, I don't even let my friends into my house, period, so I, I can't answer that one. I'm not a very good socially apt guy. If I came over and visit visited, you wouldn't let me in? <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I'd let you in. It, it would just, it would have to be like a very heavily planned thing. I'd have to emotionally prepare to, to like interact in person with yeah. another human being. Yeah. I, people can't spring that shit on me. Like that's happened before and, and I hate it like poison. Someone springs some shit on me and I'm right, especially if I'm in the middle of eating like, oh, I hate that. I hate pop-ins so much. Um, <laughs> Like when you're, when you're, uh, I think it was your mom or, or uh, came in one time we were doing the podcast. Yeah, that's right? not so bad because it's like a, a parent, but if it's just some. But it's still popping in. Yeah. I mean, for me, if I was in that situation, I'd be like, at least give me a warning, uh, a heads up. Yeah. Send me a text message or something. Don't just show up. Well, I could be in the middle of doing something. Spiking <laughs> your monkey. Um. <laughs> My OCD has just gotten so bad that, well, I mean, it's been bad, but it's gotten to the point where, like, if people come over, I'm constantly, like, watching certain things. Like, did they take their shoes off? Like, 
if they if they're if they're a guy and they go to the bathroom, I'm worried about are they going to piss all over the toilet seat and I'm going to have to clean it up <laughs> when they leave. These are serious thoughts that run through my head. Well, well, with that, it's like it's common courtesy just to clean it up yourself. Oh, but like so many people don't, though. That's a thing. So many guys don't. They don't. No, I go Come in there on, man. and I inspect. You know the porcelain, and there's like piss droplets all over. And I'm like, oh, gross. I'm not gonna let someone else's piss just dry up. I don't even let mine do that. I'm sorry, it's getting a little graphic, but yeah, that's like the fucking level of like I am so goddamn clean and neat here. When anyone comes over, like I'm like I'm kind of stressing. Unless I'm drunk, then then I don't care as much. Did, but even, did they leave a little scuff mark on my on my carpet? <laughs> yeah, well, two. Uh, the second thing is I'm renting, so like, if I fuck anything up here, like I, that could mess my deposit up, and you know, so yeah. Anyway, but I, you know, <laughs> you're a very particular guy, so I'm sure you would you'd be able to yeah. fall in line with my yeah. Gestapo esque rules. <laughs> so Wadada, whose full name is unknown, was a hang around at the university. Ah, oh, so hang around. He didn't even go there. He just. So he could have easily been homeless. He He just hung around the university. So he's there to pick up chicks, pretty much, and 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 sprinkle them with his fucking bullshit philosophy. And I'm sure, like a lot of these white bread chicks are like, "Ooh, he's so foreign or exotic. Let me listen to what crazy bullshit he has to say." Because I'm in college now, and it's time for me to open my mind and rebel against my parents. He plays some uh, reggae for him, perhaps. (laughs) <laughs> um. So anyway, he considered himself to be an art. Oh God, he considered himself to be an artist, and uh-huh. often lived and asked for money for various students, including Sarah. Of course, yeah. So here's here's the thing. It's like I don't give a shit if you're an artist. I'm not giving you my money. <laughs> I'll give you my money if if I like your fucking art. But dude, it, calling yourself an artist nowadays and maybe not nowadays maybe it's always been like this but i can only speak from the time that i've been alive it seems Mm -hmm. like nowadays everybody's a fucking artist you know someone takes a picture on their camera and they slap a filter on it and it's of the sky and oh now all of a sudden i'm a photographer i'm a professional photographer and i have you know i slap my little watermark in the right hand bottom corner and all of a sudden like oh i'm a i'm a professional photographer or they just you know make some some they put some beads on some wire and they're like, oh, I make my own jewelry. Come to this arts market and buy my jewelry for way too much money. And it's like, <laughs> it's crap. It's like what Bill Burr said a long time ago. If it was good, it would be in a store. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know, dude. I love that guy I'm, so much. I'm tainted uh, from living in like the artsy part of Jacksonville. Uh-huh. And all the charlatan like artist wannabes. Uh-oh. And if you're out here, there listening and you make jewelry and shit, I'm not insulting you if you make good shit and you know if you make good shit or not. And if you're Because yeah, there's some people who legitimately do make yeah. some really good yeah, stuff. Yeah, and for that, I will gladly pay money. But but you artists, you true artists out there listening, you also know there's a lot of hacks in your field who are, are clogging up the arteries. Look uh, at this piece of abstract art I, I, I did. Where, where all you did was just try to be Jackson Pollock and just throw paint on a canvas and be like, look at me. I'm an artist. So my dog painted this. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, police could not press charges based on the strength of a hand squeeze. They needed her to verbally name her attacker. Doctors feared that she would never be able to speak again. How come she couldn't just write the name of the attacker on a piece of paper? 
Um, yeah, there's that too. However, after the weeks passed, she began to recover from her injuries. Finally, in January of 1989, she was able to speak and give investigators a full account of what happened to her. She said that on December 7th, 1988, she was planning to go over to the university to study for finals when fucking Wadada came to her apartment. He asked. I have to say this about this particular uh, segment. The acting here is, I, I honestly thought, was really good. Especially from the actress who's playing Sarah. Uh, Wadada was fine too. He had a certain intimidate intimidation factor to him yeah he definitely did uh sound like he was believably crazy yeah so anyway he asked to borrow a paintbrush and she told him where it was located she also told him that she had to leave soon um as he turned to as she turned to put her shoes on he came from behind her and put a knife to her throat um he ordered her to take off her clothes she banged on the floors and walls, screaming for help. However, no one heard her. Now, she's saying all this at this point in, in the segment. So you're seeing her and hearing her voice after the the knowledge of, of you know, a fractured jaw, being beaten within yeah. an inch of her life. It's amazing. Oh, it's incredible. You know, you've seen people on Unsolved Mysteries before, and they've been interviewed after their injury, and it's like, ugh. That's rough. It was that one lady who got shot in the face yeah. with a shotgun. And they had to yeah. they, and she had to interview in silhouette because her face was still that fucked up. And you could and hear she it in had her, a noticeable list. She her mouth sounded like it was like this, like something was sewn together or so it was like, Oh dude, I don't I don't wanna see yeah. whatever your face might look like. And and God bless you and I hope the best for you. But uh, I'm I'm too squeamish for shit like that. But this chick, she looked she looked like a champ. She looked like a champ. She was talking like a champ. And her hair was still relatively short from when they had to shave it all off. Uh-huh. That's how like quickly she recovered. So good for her. But she's she's recounting what happened to her. And he's saying how uh, she's saying how he ordered her to take off her clothes. And she banged on the floors and walls, hoping someone would hear her and no one heard her. So Wadada hit her and then brutally raped her. Afterward, he began wildly chanting and made her join him in the chant. And this was the weirdest, by far weirdest part of this segment. Because yes. he's just saying all this gibberish and he's like, he's like, uh, he's like, confess your sins now. I cannot do a Jamaican accent to save my life. He's like, confess your sins. You're, you've done bad, you know, you've done bad things, man. <laughs> he literally starts saying Zada Gigi Guy guys. And then she's like joining in with them and it's just like wow, that is You are Confess your sins. You are an yeah. artist. Call me now for a free reading. <laughs> I've been told that that sounds less Jamaican and more Irish by an actual Jamaican girl. Ooh. Who was a babe, by the way? Like, oh my god. Like we like hung out one time and I, I I wished that things had worked out. Like she was so cute with her little Jamaican accent and anyway, I digress. Sashani, if you're out there listening, call me. Uh <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um Wadada has not been seen since the attack. He is described as between five seven and five nine with a thin build. He speaks with an accent that might be described as French Caribbean or Ethiopian, although in the segment, uh, just sounds Jamaican to me. That could be me just being a dumb white guy, uh, American, but uh, yeah. Anyway, he apparently is also fluent in Spanish. 
And this is also kind of a, a creepy uh, descriptor. His right hand is deformed. The fingers are crabbed together, forming a claw-like shape. Um, his arm is also deformed, and he has burn scars on the Ooh. front and back of both hands. Uh, so that to speak to that, that uh, the fingers are constantly crabbed together, forming a claw-like shape. So, like, so say you... How have they not found this guy yet? <laughs> I actually saw a guy at CVS a long time ago uh, who had this same problem. He was this older guy, and he came in, and and yeah, like so. Take your fingers and look at your o- open hand, and then just bend all your fingers down all the way, but not not to form a fist, but just all the way down to where they're like sitting on the top of your palm, and then kind of bend your uh, thumb in as well, and it forms kind of this claw thing. So that's how both of this guy's hands were. And they were like, he'd come into CVS and his hands were like dead weight at the end of his wrists. Like he couldn't, there was no like muscular control of his hands. Like they were just flopping around on his. Probably some kind of uh, a deformity uh, through birth or or maybe something that happened because uh, nerves or some sort of uh, side effect of a disease or something like that. I don't know. Either way, it was pretty freaky, though. Every time he yeah, come in, would be. he was still able to kind of sort of grab things, but not really like it was it was crazy. That would suck. So Wadada listed his birthplace as Guyana, which is funny because that's where Jim Jones took his people yeah. to die. Go figure. Maybe he, maybe he's related in some way. Jim to Jones was... did like women of many different persuasions and colors <laughs> and, cre- and creeds. Uh, he had previously lived, he lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico, Miami, Florida. Of course, he lived in Florida at some point because, you know, <laughs> you couldn't quite be a psychopath unless you spent some time in Florida. And uh, Brooklyn, New York, he is wanted for rape and attempted murder. Do we have any and updates on this? No. No, he's still out there. So he's still out there or he passed away. Damn. That sucks. Fucking Wadada. I think the guy was clearly mentally ill. That was a big reason why he was wandering around campuses yeah. and yep. saying that he's an artist and all of this and so on and so forth. Um, the reason why he probably wasn't able to keep a job or have a place of his own is because he was mentally ill. Yeah, and unlike Charles Manson, he didn't have the charisma to win people over with mind control and brainwashing, so he just kind of, like, used brute force and... He just hung around and then would every now and then would probably take what he wanted and then go to the next uh, campus or to the next place. I would not be surprised if he's just wandering around on at other places. Not on campuses anymore after what happened. I'm pretty sure that... After uh, what had happened, they probably would have sent out a warning to other campuses around the area saying, yeah, don't let this guy be on campus. The thing also was like, how does somebody hang around on campus? Like, I, my, my colleges had security. Like you could, there could, there was no hanging around at Clark or of uh, what I've noticed that so far at WSU Vancouver, like there's security and other people there. It's like there's no hangers, people just hanging around on campus. It's like, do you have class here? Are you waiting for somebody? 
Are you picking somebody up? That's the only stuff that would go on there. But then again, these are campuses that don't have dorms. So it's probably different when there, when there's campuses with dorms. I don't know why it'd be that much different. I would think the security would be even tighter in that instance. I don't know. I, the college I used to go to, granted it was a community college, um, it uh, it didn't really have much in the in terms of that. So I mean, you could kind of just walk up there and hang around. Um, yeah, this case reminds me of that Ira Einhorn guy uh-huh. who uh, who killed the uh, young girl. He kind of had that Charles Manson esque charisma. Yeah. He was kind of this dirty hippie. That's that's a guy we should cover actually because he was on the Ultimate uh, Collection, uh-huh. and we haven't talked about that one yet. So yeah, that's the case of fucking Wadada. God, <laughs> I just uh, Wadada, dude. I'm gonna legally change your name to Wadada, Mike. No, no. I, I like Mike. That's a good name. I like Mike. <laughs> I like me. Darn it. <laughs> Stuart Smalley. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, um. The next case we're going to talk about, and the final case we're going to talk about on, t- on today's podcast, is of Bashir, and I'm not even going to try to say his last name, because I know I'm going to fuck it up, so I'm just going to say Bashir, and uh, Kuchaj- these really... Kuchaji? Yeah, that's kind of a fucked up These one. really strange, surreal, and quite frankly, pretty terrifying phone calls that he was uh, repeatedly getting... Uh, around this time and and to the point where this poor man he's residing in a mental health facility really he had been residing in a mental health facility for six years by the time that this segment was uh shot so he was in this mental health facility for six years because he felt he was safer there than he was out in the open because of all this harassment and all this stuff that that he was he was uh, dealing with, this the this this is uh, both of these segments. By the way, are not on Amazon. So if you want to watch them, well, you have to find some other way. Um, Tough gotta go nuggets. to a guy. You gotta guy gotta go to a guy on the street, you know, with a trench coat and everything. Who may or may not be named Chris Rogers. He'll, he'll open the trench coat up, and then he'll have like all these different segments and stuff in in his uh, coat on VHS. But anyway, uh, this is the case of Bashir and uh, his harassers, which he calls El Efant. Le Le Infante, I think. Le Efant. Le Infante. Uh, American citizens Bashir and Gail moved to Beirut, Lebanon in 1974. Gail was a professional singer who entertained at the Phoenicia Hotel, a well-known gathering place for Middle East diplomats and arms dealers. Shortly after midnight on July 1st, Bashir was on his way to pick up his wife from a party hosted by a Saudi princess when a van drove him off the road. And the van looked like that van in Back to the Future that all the Libyans were in. And and so they, they end up driving up to this guy, uh, basically block his path off so he can't drive anywhere. And they walk out and, and they also are dressed like the Libyans. 
So I was almost expecting to see Michael J. Fox show up in the background and be like, Libyans! <laughs> and, and then, and then uh, uh, Doc Brown would get shot again. But anyway... Uh, <laughs> Damn it. That was, a, that was kind of a dark ending to that story. Well, because Doc, Doc Brown actually did get shot in, in, in the film, remember? Like, that's what happened. It was like, Libyans! And then the Libyans would shoot Doc, and then... Yeah. Well, that's the great thing about imagination, Mike. We can write our own stories. That it's actually what actually happened in the movie. Imagination, Maybe Mike. Maybe you should watch Back to the Future again, Josh. <laughs> Mike, you know I've only seen three movies in my entire life. <laughs> Why do you keep having me do these things that I'm unable? I know to do? you've seen more than that. You did a you you did a podcast a while back. It was like I think maybe do we do a Q and A something like that? And you and you listed off a whole bunch of films. So anyway, several armed men came out of the van and abducted him, who may or may have not have been Libyan. Uh, Bashir was taken to a basement in an unknown location and held hostage there. He hoped that the abduction was related to politics and that he would be released once they realized that he was not a politician. Two hours later, his abductors came to question him. Now, this reenactment, for the most part, I would say it is a decent job in terms of production design and the setting... Uh, this dingy room where he's uh, held captive in and with the lighting and cinematography. Some of the acting, though, is not that great, especially from some of these uh, hostage takers, you know, these uh, terrorists, essentially terrorists. So these terrorists, uh, one of them, uh, he tell there's a scene where he gets drugged into this office with these terrorists and he tells them that he's an American citizen and then they accuse him of being from the CIA. And this was just really bad acting. It was like direct to video action movie level bad acting. It was like where the guy is like, I felt like it was like the worst, uh, like Middle Eastern act, like actor trope kind of thing. Yeah. You're from the CIA. You're CIA. <laughs> It's like, no, I'm not, and I'm an American citizen. No, you're CIA. <laughs> um, the only thing missing was my friend, you know, throwing that in there. <laughs> my friend, my friend, you are CIA. Yeah. And uh, the guy who played Bashir, I something was off with that actor too. Like his acting was okay, but it seemed like I don't know for sure, but it seemed like it almost might not have actually been a Middle Eastern actor playing the role. It was just a white guy that they had that looked somewhat Middle Eastern and they put a fake mustache on his on his face and then we're like, hey, you're Bashir. <laughs> um, I could be totally wrong, though, but I know that mustache was fake. It looked like a fucking pipe cleaner that I, you know, you could buy at Michael's or some other fucking craft store. Mike, okay, we get um, it. You want to work at Michael's. Stop shilling the company. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a pipe cleaner, which you can buy at fine retail craft stores like Michael's in Vancouver, Washington. Uh... uh. <laughs> I only said that because that's only that's like I don't think there's that many Joanne fabrics. Oh, I, in Florida. What's the deal with that job anyway? I hate to get off so off topic here, but I haven't heard a call back from uh, the per, the person about with the schedule yet. But I'm not worried about it because I'm I'm assuming that 
the actual manager once he gets out vacation will double check or whatever and some stuff like that. I'm not. It's still technically this week, so I, I won't get worried about it until like Saturday, Friday, or Saturday. Oh, okay. And even then, I'm not going to be too freaked out about it because if there was something wrong with the background check, I would have known by now. Period. End of discussion. <laughs> um. Anyway, so they told him he was CIA. They then beat him and tortured him at regular two-hour intervals for the next few days. This is just horrible. This is just a nightmare. His abductors refused to let him sleep, and he was only given small meals. Uh, he was saying that he didn't even know what the time was most of the time. He could only tell the time from what meals he was getting during the day and what type of meals he was receiving. On the fifth day of his captivity... He began to hallucinate. He imagined hearing the anguished screams of his family. And, and I mean, it's already bad enough that you're in this situation. You're being held hostage for reasons you have no idea. And given next to no food, you're getting tortured. And now you're starting to hear the uh, anguished screams of your family. That that's That's just absolutely horrifying and i will give this particular the reenactment did an okay i did all right with that but there were moments where i don't think it i don't think the hallucinations were as effective as they could be because some of it kind of sounded like laughing not really like wailing or crying it just sounded like laugh laughter to me <laughs> Which, yeah, exactly. And that reminded me of the storm in hell thing, and that works for that because he's in hell. But Mike, here you just it's admitted like, that something in the storm in hell segment actually worked. I'm I'm surprised. Well, it, 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 I mean, Mike, you already said concept. It. You already put it out there. <laughs> Well, I mean, to be honest, like, from the concept, it's not a bad thing. It's the execution that was not the best with that If somebody had told me segment. the concept of Storm in Hell, I would have been like, dude, that's going to be a badass segment. And, then, and yeah. then when I saw what they actually did with that segment... That's what I'm talking about. It's like, why why does this look like a high school dance that this guy's at <laughs> right now? Anyway, we're getting, like, incredibly, like, we're losing people right but now. But anyway, probably. so... I, I felt that the anguish screams of the family could have done been, they could have been done better, um, but this was too much for him. So he tried to commit suicide by slashing his wrists with a jagged piece of plastic. Surprisingly, the terrorists took him to a hospital where doctors saved his life, and that is pretty surprising. Um, how often does that happen? Normal, normally in that situation, I would think the terrorists would just be like, "Fuck him! He killed himself." We aren't helping him. Maybe they, but were, then again, maybe, maybe they were like a bunch of like like early 20-somethings and they're like, oh man, we didn't mean to hurt him. Now he <laughs> went and cut his wrists open. Oh shit, man. This was just supposed to be a fun party idea. We were going to play a trick on the guy. Oh damn, damn. Just, just drop him off at the hospital and leave. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they uh, also didn't want to. I mean, it makes sense that they take him there because maybe they don't want to have attention being drawn to them. So that's another thing. But I don't know. It, it is pretty, it is fairly surprising though, because they're willing to cap, keep him captive for five days and torture him. 
but then he tries to kill himself, and now they're all of a sudden showing sympathy. Um, with the help of his hospital and his family, his release was negotiated. To this day, he does not know who took him hostage or why. So weird. Two months later, Bashir returned to the United States. He and Gail divorced, and soon after became the manager of an exotic North African restaurant on Hollywood's Sunset Strip. The restaurant became popular with recording stars, music stars, and celebrities. And they show pictures of Bashir with actors like Clint Eastwood and and a few other recording stars and musicians. I think one of them was Elton John. Uh, so yeah, it was pretty big. It was a pretty huge hangout. Within a few years, he and his family would open restaurants in Philadelphia and Washington, D.C. In 1982, just as Bashir's life appeared to return to normal, he began receiving a series of threatening phone calls at the D.C. restaurant. At first, the caller would not say anything. Uh, all, all Bashir could hear was breathing. However, the caller started threatening him, saying that he would be killed. Now, this is another moment where this is not, this is not as effective as it should be. It's clearly a kid. Like, I don't know why Unsolved Mysteries decided, let's have a fucking six-year-old, let's have an eight-year-old say, you're gonna die. Yeah, it, it just... <laughs> yeah, I know. It sounded like some, like, inner-city kid being like, yeah. you're gonna die. Exactly. You're gonna die. <laughs> you're gonna die, boy. It's just like, come on. That was that was very poorly thought out by by the producers I mean, I, and by the people I, working on this uh, particular segment. I can't help but to think that they wouldn't have thrown that detail in there unless like that's actually the voice that you know how it actually sounded. <laughs> so so there's a terrorist out there who sounds like some inner city kid. So it, it's like it's a terrorist version of Mike Tyson where the voice does not match. They could have promised the, the kid uh, like they put it. They could have found the kid on the street and promised him voice. like a fucking Super Nintendo if he like went and threatened yeah. this. My friend, the, the voice. My friend, I need you to. I know this sounds crazy, but don't run away, little boy. Threaten this man randomly, <laughs> and I will buy you the new Super Mario Kart that is all the craze in 1993. <laughs> uh, so, um. But yeah, just one of those cases where if it really was like the terrorist's voice, it just does not match uh, his body. Um, it's it's when I first heard Mike Tyson's voice, I was just like, "You gotta be fucking kidding me!" <laughs> but I would never say that to his face, though. <laughs> I, I wouldn't either. But I mean, it's one of those things that it is so unbelievable. It really is, even to this day, um, that someone with that such an imposing look and presence would would sound would sound like that maybe that's why he was such a you know hard ass all his life is because you know he had that voice yeah like like uh you know his his girlfriend is cheating on him and and he calls his girlfriend and and the person the other guy picks up the phone and mike tyson's like i'm, I'm gonna kick your ass motherfucker and the guy's like, oh, sure, bitch, meet me up at the mall at five o'clock. I'll throw down. And then Mike Tyson shows up and it's like, oh, shit, I done fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I would imagine that he might have gotten bullied or stuff in, in school for that voice. Like, can you imagine an alternate universe where Mike Tyson is just some nerdy guy? Like, he never really buffed up. He never really got into boxing. He's just he's just like Urkel. Oh, God. Poor, poor Jaleel White. 
feel so bad for him. So anyway, um, I, I wouldn't feel bad for him. He made bank. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> he probably doesn't have to work again in his life. But I mean, I don't know. Life is so uninteresting when you don't have anything to really do anymore. You've kind of achieved it at a young age. Yeah, so... The inner city kid told uh, Bashir that he would be killed. The caller also started mentioning the names of Bashir's old friends and acquaintances that he hadn't seen in years, and that is extremely troubling. On some days, the caller would make up to 20 calls. Can you imagine that? No. Somebody calling you 20 times a day? Well, I I figure nowadays, people can't even imagine being called at all because it's like such an (laughs) imposition when you give someone a phone call now. They're like, Hello? Uh, okay, why are you calling me? And it's like, uh, I guess, well, fuck me for wanting to have an actual conversation, I guess, but that's old man Josh talking, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, I, I, I've gotten, you know, multiple calls a day before, but they're usually fucking robocalls oh, yeah. or some bullshit. That started happening me, to me again lately. I thought that was like a thing of the past, but no, it's still like alive and well, apparently. It's websites you sign up for, something, they yeah. sell your information, and that's how your phone number gets passed over to these fucking companies and shit that call you randomly. And it sucks when you're expecting a phone call and then you you get a phone call and it's that shit and you don't get the phone call that you were expecting. Apparently Yahoo but, is like the worst email uh, company or whatever or email server to do that. Like none of the other email servers you do that except Yahoo, uh-huh. which is, of course, the email that I use. So that's that's nice. I also have to warn people from signing up to monster.com. Like, that is just a terrible... Don't. Like, you're just going to get tons of spam email later. Monster.com. What is that even? It's a... It's a... I I don't... I don't know if it's monster.com, but it's it's a job hunting site. Oh, that's right. I forgot all about that website. Yeah, okay. I haven't needed a job in so long. (laughs) (laughs) You lucky bastard. Yeah, I know. Anyway, uh... So, on some days, a caller would make up the 20 calls. Some calls were obscene, while some were very threatening. I wonder what the difference was between obscene and very threatening. Well, obscene would probably be like, um, your mother sucks cocks in hell! And <laughs> and threatening would be like, I hope your mother sucks, sucks cocks in hell. Or, or I, I will see to it that she sucks cocks in hell. Or, or, or obscene, you know, is just something about, you know, you're going to suck my dick! And then, then like, uh, threatening would just be like, you know, you're going to die. I'm going to kill you with my dick. Yes. There you go. You got, now you've got it. <laughs> so, anyway, the calls would continue in Philadelphia when Bashir would visit his other restaurants. In some of the calls, he could hear people laughing and screaming and the sounds of machine gun fire. Wow. Damn. That's okay. Very, that's... Sounds like something that could quite possibly be put on. Yeah. Curiously, many of the phone calls appeared to come from a young child dubbed Elephant, or Elephant, French for the child, so it was a kid. Some of the voices were of a young girl, others were, were Middle Eastern men. I mean, it's just crazy they're having these kids do their dirty work for them. It's like, this is so strange. I'm telling you, man, the power call- of a new Super Nintendo back in the 90s <laughs> held a lot of weight. Or a new game, or a new, uh, you know... Super Metroid or something. 
The calls brought Shit, back I memories done of this year's Super Metroid. I would have I would have called <laughs> and threatened an adult for a Super Metroid. Yeah, absolutely. So, so <laughs> sorry, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> you brought up Super Metroid and it just triggered me in a good way. The calls brought back memories of Bashir's abduction. The screams sounded identical to those coming from other prisoners. In May of 1986, the harassment turned violent when Bashir's car caught fire. His mechanic inspected the car and believed that someone had tampered with the car's wires. Now, how Bashir handles this is pretty badass. Stops the car, realizes there's smoke coming out of the hood, burns his hand, lifting up the hood, clearly sees that there's fire near the engine, and just calmly, collectively grabs a, a piece of wire, throws it out, and then starts fanning the flames. I'm like, I don't know if I'd be... I'd probably be dead, because I'd just be driving along, and boom, and that would be it, because I, I don't think I'd have the wherewithal to notice that something like that was wrong, and if it was, I'd pull over, and I would just get out of the car, and it would explode, because I, I just... I don't really... I wouldn't be trying to be like, oh, let me check under the hood and burn my hand and fucking... No. <laughs> well, that's how they portrayed him anyway. We don't know if that's how he yeah. actually handled it. Yeah. How would you handle that? Uh, if, well, if my car was like, if I if it was smoking or something, I look under the hood and it's like on fire. How would I uh -huh. handle that? Um, I'd probably be like, there'd be a lot of what the fucks and, and you gotta be kidding me's thrown around. And, oh, great, yet another fucking bill I have to pay in the future. That's what I would be thinking. And profanity. Oh, probably. I don't <laughs> even, if I'm by myself, though, a lot of times I don't even, like, waste my time with profanity anymore because it literally, like, does nothing to help me. It doesn't even make me feel better well, anymore. Well, it's supposed to, it's supposed to, the profanity is supposed to, you know, release a certain endorphin It doesn't or do, like the that, thrill is gone. Know. I need, like, a new level of profanity because the old <laughs> profanity just doesn't thrill me anymore. So, Bashir asked the FBI to investigate the threats to his life. A tap was placed on his telephone, which recorded more than 3,000 threatening calls over an 18-month period. And they actually show the the printout of all this stuff, and it's, it is insane. And 3,000 threatening calls over 18 months? Can you imagine if a telemarketer tried to call you that many times over 18 months? Dude, actually, when I was little, and I think this is like... One of the few stories I haven't told on the podcast yet about my childhood. When I was little, a um, someone from the uh, Florida Times Union, uh, the the um, newspaper here in Jacksonville, yeah. they um, robo. Well, it wasn't a robocall. They they it was just a, a person on the other line. It was a guy, and I answered the phone, and I'm like little kid Josh. So I'm like, hello, and the guy's like, uh, he's like, is your parents home? And I'm like, my mom's asleep. And he literally goes, well, she needs to come answer the phone because she's in a lot of trouble. And I'm like, Ooh. I'm like, oh, no, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, mom, mom. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and by the time I handed it, I woke her ass up for that because I, you know, I didn't know what the fuck to think. So by the time I woke her up and she answered the phone, he had hung up. And, wow. and my dad being the paranoid fucker that he was when I was growing up, he used to, like, tap our phones. I don't know why. He just did. Wow. And uh, he he actually, I don't know where the recording is, he actually has that recording of, like, eight-year-old Josh in the, in the uh, Florida Times Union douche. <laughs> 
That's crazy. Yeah, it was it was insane. And and like I think my mom called up there and complained or something and they they said that 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 never happened or something. I don't know. So the guy might not have even worked for Florida Times Union. Could have been a pedophile for all I know. Ooh. Wow. He could have heard my hot boy voice and been turned on. I don't know. Scary. Yeah. So, uh you had these 3,000 threatening calls over an 18-month period. However, there was no distinct pattern in where the calls originated. No arrests were ever made. Uh, Louis Beale, a journalist, was told by the FBI that the calls were coming from various phone calls in the metro- metropolitan area, which included Maryland and Virginia, along with D.C. Some of the calls were coming in two times a minute, which suggested that multiple people were involved. And I guess multiple people were getting Super Nintendos and copies of Super Metroid. Right. Um, now, you can tell how old this is because the payphone thing. Like, you can't do that shit anymore. Can't be doing fucking calls and payphones. You can't be going from payphone to payphone and shit. That, that, you just can't do that anymore. Um, and now that people have caller ID, they could just, like, block incoming phone calls, right? From numbers that they don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, well... Yeah, I mean, especially if you do know the number, though, you can definitely punch it into your iPhone and be like, yeah, don't don't accept this call or whatever. Yeah. So I think it would be harder to probably harass somebody like that over the phone. But then again, they can get, uh, you know, one of those dummy phones or whatever, one of those just go phones or something and do it that way. So... And if they do it that way, then it's actually easier, which is pretty fucked up. <laughs> you think, like, oh, there's no more pay phones, uh, you know, but now it's like, oh, but you can get these cell phones that have just minutes, you can load minutes onto them and then just throw them away. Oh, humanity will always find a way to harass another individual if if they want to, if they want to get it. Or someone. they just do it through the Internet. Yeah, the Internet. Yeah, you can dude. you know, how easy it is to make anonymous accounts online and just like troll people i mean i i would never do that now because like depending on who you well it's a shitty thing to do first of all but second of all if i really did want to do that to someone i still wouldn't do it because i'd be too afraid that like with the technology nowadays some nerd hacker guy would be able to like well his ip address is such and such and they'd be able to like you know tag it right to my identity and my computer and um, yeah. Not that I want to like harass anybody online, anyway. Well, the 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 thing that I find pretty uh, hilarious about this online trolling stuff is, I've you know, you've been on YouTube for a while. I've been on YouTube for like ten years, and I, I've had my fair share of trolls and people. But the thing that I've noticed now is that it is so easy to just, uh, oh, you're trolling me. Uh, remove comment, block, done. <laughs> Nowadays on YouTube, especially. Um, and the people who are trying to, like, if people make fake accounts on YouTube, it's hilarious because, like, there's there's a friend of mine and this fucking dumbass who apparently, because my friend didn't like The Dark Knight Rises, but liked Tommy Boy, is apparently deciding to create fake accounts, try to act like he's my friend and it's his channel and chew people out. But he's clearly not my friend because they don't have the same uh, way of typing. It's blatantly obvious. Also, his fake channel, you could just look at when it was made, and it's clearly not the same channel as my friend's, because it was made recently, and it doesn't have all the videos that he did. So it's just, it's, so it's just like, why do they think anybody's going to fall for this shit? 
Why do you think anybody's actually go why do they think they're gonna make any sort of difference? It's like these fucking dumbasses on that VHS group tried to give me shit. It's like they were trying to act like they actually were having an, uh, an effect on, on my channel and it was a bunch of bullshit. Like nobody, like people were noticing that they were being obnoxious and then I blocked them and removed their comments uh, pretty quickly. They had no impact and I have more subscribers now than I did when they started fucking with me. So yeah. So it's just, it's just pointless. And it's also with this too, it's like he's, he's not in your control anymore like you 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 let him go like you already gave him enough shit why don't you just leave him alone yeah i had this guy on my youtube channel for a while and he it was like his personal crusade to like uh because he didn't like one opinion he, he watched my apple rant and he didn't like that i didn't like apple products so he <laughs> went on all my other videos and started just like tearing him apart uh -huh. and i blocked him and like he made another account just to uh just to just to you know down downvote all my videos and well of course yeah it's so funny it's such a fucking coward it you know it's just, just a, being a bunch of bitches I just imagine they're like ten years and below ten years old and below I don't imagine I mean it's no I've I've dealt with adults the VHS group was full oh, of so crazy adults that is insane like what are they trying to like what is their goal you know like what are they trying to prove I don't know. It's a fucking click over there. That's the thing. Um, so anyway, finally, uh, Bashir committed himself to the psychiatric ward of a hospital. He did this to seek therapy and keep himself from the constant barrage of phone calls. And this is just sad, you know? He's not really mentally ill. He just committed himself to the psychiatric ward to get some therapy, but to, to, to hide from this barrage of fucking harassing phone calls. And while Bashir was in the hospital, his replacement at the restaurant, Raj Tuli, became the target of the harassment. The caller threatened to kill him and also claimed to know his exact schedule, movements, and location of his home. So now they're going even further. Now it's like, oh, you're not at the restaurant anymore? Well, Raj, well, fuck Raj. You know, we're going to take out Raj, too. We're going to start harassing Raj. Three weeks after Raj became manager of the restaurant, his son Richard was then targeted. While walking home from the school, two men approached him, asking him if he was Richard. Then when he responded, they brutally attacked him. Later that day, Lelafont called Raj and confirmed that they had attacked his son. The next day, someone painted Richard will die on the front door of the Thule home. Damn. Tell us how you really feel about Richard. Bashir lived in the psychiatric ward for at least six years. During that time, his harassers were still able to call him. In 1993, he was receiving up to seven calls per week. Bashir still has no idea why he's being targeted. However, he believes that it has something to do with his time in Lebanon and his abduction. I mean, you really do feel so much for Bashir. I mean live in a psychiatric ward for six years thought you get away from it but they still have found you and they're still harassing you like most celebrities don't even have to go through this level of uh harassment no, no. i mean some do but these are like the ultimate trolls yeah for real so the threatening phone calls are suspected of being from a child but the reason for the child doing this to bashir is unknown 
Due to the number of calls, it is believed that there are multiple people involved. Bashir and other suspects suspect... Uh, Bashir and others suspect, not suspects, because that would be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the suspects, they suspect what they're doing is is uh, related to the abduction Pulling of Baruch. Cindy James now. She yeah. So Bashir... Well, I've heard some people maybe argue, like, maybe he's harassing himself. The Whackers definitely um, were. I can say that. <laughs> Because they're whacked in the head. Yes. Uh, Bashir and the others suspect that the harassment may be related to Bashir's 1974 abduction in Beirut. He suspects that he may have come in contact with shadowy figures there. His wife would sometime invite him to the parties thrown by so-called arm deal arms dealers who were important in Beirut politics. Journalist Louis Beale suspects that one of Bashir's abductors may have been someone who lit someone that later became a diplomat or a politician in Lebanon. He suspects that the individuals may have moved to Washington, D.C. and decided to arrest Bashir in an attempt to get him to leave the area so that he could not identify them. I'm pretty sure he would not do that if you just leave him alone. Sounds like the guy like, has just wanted to live his life from day one. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, for me, it would be like if someone's harassing me and doing all these fucking phone calls and they tell me, like, don't say anything, I'd be like, yeah, okay, I won't. Can you stop calling me? Uh, okay, as long as you don't say anything, I, I, I won't. Leave me alone. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> I mean, really, that, that's, that's, if they just announce what they want, that's the thing. It's like, do you, if they wanted him not to say anything, then just fucking say it. Don't just do these, like, I'm going to kill you or have a kid be like, I'm going to kill you. You're going to die, bitch. No, I mean, it'd be like, just, just fucking say what, what you want him to do. Yeah. It's a shame all this stuff doesn't, hadn't taken place in modern day times because those people threatening them, they would have been like, all right, I'm going to call Bashir and threaten them. Oh, look, Candy Crush. This is oddly satisfying. <laughs> I don't, I don't have a desire to threaten this man anymore. I found something else to occupy my time. <laughs> so, um, it is still unsolved. The State Department documents revealed that Bashir had been kidnapped by rogue members of the PLO, or Palestine Liberation Organization, who mistakenly believed that he was a CIA agent. It is not known if the PLO members were involved in harassing phone calls. I, I would think they were. You know, I'm just saying. Um, it it's common sense. Bashir spent several years in and out of mental hospitals. It is not known if he is still being harassed by Elefante. In 2002, he became the source of the co of controversy when he started two anti-Semitic and homophobic websites and posted ads in the Washington Post claiming that Jews and the Israeli government were responsible for his abduction and harassment. I all of a sudden feel uh -huh. less bad for this man. I think that might have been years of just continuous abuse and living in, in, in and out of... Uh, mental hospitals that have affected his wavelength. That's honestly how I look at it. I mean, he's probably so desperate at this point to try to find who did it or pin, pin this on somebody that, you know, he just decides to throw that out there. And you say he like took a picture with Elton John and he's posting homophobic yeah. websites. Yeah. Kind of weird. That's Maybe crazy. he's trying to make the Palestinians happy by talking shit about the Jews I don't know. Regardless, it is one of those things that is pretty crazy um, that he would he ended up doing 
this stuff after the fact. I, I still do feel bad for him, though, considering all the shit he went through. I mean, he was kidnapped. He was tortured for a few days. Um, he was lucky to survive, but then he still didn't live much of a life because he thought he had everything figured out, and he had this really promising career as a restaurant restauranteur. And then a restaurant owner, and then just the harassment starts and doesn't seem that didn't seem to stop. So, yeah, yeah, that uh, that is crazy. I when I was watching this case in preparation for this episode, uh, it, even though it's been talked about a lot and and a lot of people cite this segment a lot, when I was watching it. I don't think I've ever seen this case before, like in my life until today, which is crazy because I was like, yeah, La Elefant or Lafonte. I think uh, Robin uh, Warder from Trail Went Cold. I think he he covered it. And I think I listened. Mm. I listened to his coverage of it, which may which maybe made me think that I had seen it. By yeah, listening okay. to his episode or whatever. So what do you think of 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 the segment and of the case? I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. Um, Could have easily went on the bizarre murders DVD. I feel like there's really no murders though. Yeah, but it was biz- See, it was bizarre and it was well yeah it was bizarre I guess, but there I guess yeah no murders no murders yeah yeah I guess there was really no good place to put that in there. Plus you already had Cindy James on the bizarre murders and that one was way more interesting. Because of the psychological aspect of it. I still thought this was interesting, though, because it's just the sheer amount of harassing phone calls. The the, the the Bashir amount of phone calls. (laughs) You're bringing the dad jokes today, I guess. (laughs) Watch out, man. I can bring them, too. (laughs) Bring in the dad joke heat over here. Um Anyway, I don't really have much else to say about this, except I hope the harassing phone calls have stopped, and I also hope that Bashir has maybe uh, reconsidered his anti-Semitic, homophobic rants. Um, And uh, it was a a good segment, and uh, even though there was some bad acting, like, that's some bad acting, okay? If If you saw, like, not all the segments, I I love the show, but I have to be honest. You know, not every segment has grade A, top-notch acting. I don't think you're really I mean, breaking some of them, new ground by making that statement, Mike. Some some of them are pretty bad. I think pretty much so everybody why, will agree with that statement. Yeah, I know, but you were trying to... It was, oh, it's, a, it's a crime that they're saying, like, the acting's bad. I mean, there, yeah, there are a lot of segments just, where like, the acting that's is That's like bad. low-hanging fruit, though. It's like, oh, the, the, the some of the reenactments are corny. Oh, my God. It's like, yeah, but that's like... I don't know. It's like, yeah, everybody knows that going in, you know. You, you, there's, there's more there than that, you know. And, and the fact that they didn't see that annoyed me. But well, there might have been people who were talking about it because there were people who actually lived in the '80s who were talking about it, and they didn't know that when, when they went into it, they probably just watched it when it aired, and that was their first uh, feelings about Nobody it. Nobody is it ever allowed acting. to say anything bad about things that I really like, okay? That's pretty much <laughs> what it boils down to here. Oh. So nobody's able to say Genesis had some bad albums? Mm, or uh, Only like if they're talking about their very first or their very last album will I agree <laughs> with them. 
or Phil Collins and his Disney era. Oh no, you can talk shit about was, uh, no, Phil Collins like like Phil Collins solo career. <laughs> you can talk shit about that all you want because very little of that is uh, as outside of face value. Very little of that is like amazing from start to finish on every album. A lot of well, you don't like his Tarzan soundtrack. No, I fucking don't <laughs> like his Tarzan soundtrack, and I don't like his fucking Disney period, and I fucking hate how that became the <laughs> successful. Phil Collins that everyone all can you feel the love tonight? That was Elton John. No. That was Elton John. Yeah. yeah, and that's a fantastic song. Elton John wrote some great song. Disney songs. Phil Collins wrote some. I just don't think it's a. I don't. I. It. People like it for traditional. You can see what they were trying to do. They were trying to get the Elton John thing, but with Phil Collins. Well, yeah, and that was a. It was a smart selection, and it. But that's not what I don't know. Like, I was gonna say that's not what Phil Collins does, but actually, <clears throat> in his solo career, that is very much the kind of shit that he wrote. You'll be in my heart. Like he wrote a lot of those like straightforward love songs and. In uh-huh. Genesis, he was this like gritty, like weird kind of guy who wrote these, you know, sang, sang these uh, kind of weird melodies and and uh, not not obviously. Have you not, seen his acting? No, I'm, I haven't actually watched. Was it Buster? Yeah, there's Buster, and he was in some other ones. He's too. actually not a bad. I mean, I've seen his acting in music videos and on stage, and he is a a persona for sure. He did like I think there was like a TV special he did and yes. he, there was like the Ultimate Warrior and shit. It was yeah, so- yeah, I did see that. Um, yeah, he's not a bad actor. I mean, he he's been acting since he was a kid. To me, Phil Collins was like the consummate like showman. Um, he was a great front man. He was fuck. But see the thing on top of it though, if he wasn't a badass musician to boot, then I wouldn't be talking about him. Like, uh huh. Phil Collins. Well, it's kind of like with Robert Stack. Like you wouldn't be talking about Robert Stack if he didn't host Unsolved Mysteries. No, I wouldn't. But I mean, they just, it was like when Chocolate Meets Peanut Butter, when they had him host Unsolved Mysteries, it was like the perfect thing. Yeah. Um, Phil Collins, though, is, is an amazing drummer, very uh, talented vocalist and songwriter. Um, I mean, Phil Collins is arguably, well, not even arguably, it's like factually, Phil Collins is bigger than Genesis. Like they, uh-huh. he has sold more albums than Genesis, and and his solo. It's crazy to me that Peter Gabriel and and Phil Collins were a part of 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 that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know that band. They would both go on to have pretty big solo yeah. careers. You could argue that both of them are bigger than Genesis. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Peter Gabriel, yeah, he might be a little bigger. Genesis might be a little. Bigger. They're neck and neck, but Phil Collins is indisputably bigger. <laughs> Because I feel like this is B-roll talk right now. Anyway, um, <laughs> but I'm trying. I was trying to tie it in with you know, sort of like how you know you have unsolved mysteries and Robert Stack and, and things like that, and 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 going back to that whole thing with the host. And I mean, when I first found out that Robert Stack was not the original host, like there were specials that had Raymond Burr and Carl Malden, I was, I, I my mind was blown. I was just like, what? <laughs> Robert Stack didn't always host on some mysteries. Yeah, I I still haven't gone back to see those because in my mind those aren't those aren't uh, canon to me. In the they have some pretty good segments. Just in them, like though. I don't I don't some regard the uh, I don't regard the Dennis Farina episodes as unsolved mysteries either. I mean, you had the Unabomber was first uh, referenced in in one of those uh, 
Special. Well, did Stat go over and redo the the dialogue and stuff over some of them or something? I don't know. Maybe he did. I don't know. Um, I know with the Unabomber, they try to connect him to the Zodiac. Yeah, that. Yeah, uns- yeah, Stack. That and they reused the same reenactment footage. Oh my God! So they 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 were doing the Dennis Farina move way back even in the day, but. <laughs> You know, they actually replaced Carl Malden or Raymond Burr with someone who's a fucking just legend. And then, I mean, no, no offense to Carl Malden or Raymond Burr. I mean, Raymond Burr is a legend in his own right, but um, it's definitely Unsolved Mysteries is definitely a, a show that is directly associated with Robert Stack yes. for good reason. That's like, uh, that's like when you say Van Halen. Do you think of uh oh what's his face the the guy in in the th- I actually like I I mean David Lee Roth is talented in his own right and he you know was a part of some really great albums and some good songs but when it comes to pure singing ability I actually prefer Sammy Hagar I think he's a better singer Oh no he has more range I'm not even uh, I'm not even talking about um Sammy Hagar I'm saying like when you say Van, oh, the guy from Extreme, Gary Sharon, yeah, <laughs> Gary Sharon. <laughs> Nobody thinks about Gary Sharon when you think Van Halen. It's like, no. yes, technically he was in Van Halen, but when I say Van Halen, God damn it, I mean David Lee Roth, and that's what ninety percent of people mean. Not it, though, I don't think Sammy Hagar was a bad replacement at all. Because I mean, you still had like Michael Anthony's backup vocals, which yeah, I personally feel that with Sammy Hagar, the band could actually do more. Like, I felt they were kind of limited with uh, David Lee Roth because Sammy could also play guitar. So you, you had more, there were more things that the band could do uh, uh, musically than they, than they could, than they were able to do with David Lee Roth. Sammy Hagar is one of those guys who like built a fucking dynasty after Van Halen. He like started that Cabo brand tequila. Yeah. Apparently his Cabo Wabo uh, place that he he, uh-huh. he lives is like this island paradise yeah. when all these like it came, it came a long way from singing uh winter takes it all from the over the top soundtrack <laughs> and arm wrestling stallone in a music video oh, God. and he actually did beat stallone in that in that music video stallone actually let him win <laughs> nice all right guys that's all the time we have for the podcast this week i gotta go do some fucking karaoke that i don't want to do but it's life i gotta mow the fucking lawn because it's sunny out Oh, wow, that's funny how much of a time gap. It's like getting dark right now over here. Yay. Um, Ma- lawn. I actually like mowing the lawn. I don't know. When you get your own place, I think you'll enjoy it more because it's like yours. No, what if I get my own place? I- I'm not having grass. Fuck that shit. <laughs> You're just going to have some, nope. some Brady Bunch Astro turf out there? Or, or, or I'll live in the city. Yeah, well... That's overrated. You 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 pay <laughs> ten times as more, and you get ten times as less. Well, that my whole plan is: if I make enough money, I just have my own place in the city, and I just walk everywhere. Or I take the that's bus. the only benefit to living in the city is you can walk everywhere. But everything else, rent's higher. Your spit, you don't get as much space. Well, if I have the money, these these are all dream scenarios. Okay, I'm you're, not going to be so living in, in the we're city. We're in fantasy land right now, basically. Yes. Okay. Exactly. Anyway, uh, if you want to follow us on YouTube, you definitely should. We have two vibrant, uh, thriving YouTube channels. <laughs> the thriving part is definitely a lie, but 
Um, you can find Mike at youtube.com slash OCP communications. He's a movie guy. He reviews movies. What was the last movie you talked about? Well, I kind of you've been going on, on this. Out. You've been going on this predator rant. That's like all I've been seeing on my Facebook wall from you is predator <laughs> this and predator that. Well, well, I'm gonna be doing. I'm gonna be doing predator films soon. But um, and by the way, the predator fucking sucks. Dad, don't even bother paying to see that shit. It's in, it's it's fucking putrid. It's pathetic. Um, Why was but it so anyway, bad? Uh, oh my God. How much time the do predator. we have? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm just gonna say this. It's an absolute slap in the face to the franchise. It turns it into a fucking parody. Um, it, it, it it's it's a fucking mess. The writing is terrible. The characters all suck. They're weak. Is the pre- is the, the predator gender fluid in this movie? No, it's not. Okay. But it's it's for some reason it's twelve feet fucking tall and all roided up on steroids and this stupid fucking plot about DNA harvesting. What the fuck does an alien need with our DNA? What is our DNA going to offer an alien? Research. It's not going to make them better. It's not going to enhance them in any way. They're fucking aliens. They don't need our fucking DNA. And that was never established in any of the other films. The predators were coming to Earth to get DNA. And if it was a bunch of rogue predators, well, who gives a shit? <laughs> Maybe these rogue predators should have just gotten killed by, uh, I don't know, actual predators. Or, you know, it, it's just, there's so many things they could have done that they, they didn't do. And it's just more of the same mistakes that they did in Predators that they did again here in the Predator. Oh, let's have the new super badass Predator beat the shit out of the old Predator. Which is basically saying, fuck the old Predator movies. This, sh- the new Predator is the, is the baddest and the coolest. So is the first Predator movie with Schwarzenegger, is that the only good one? No, Predator 2 is, is very underrated with Danny Glover and is great. Oh, okay. Excellent film. That's cool. So uh, the last video I did on my channel was actually, I looked at this really poorly put together list by Business Insider about the 69 worst sci-fi movies according to Reddit, not, not according to Reddit, according to Metacritic. And I was like, first off, 69? Is this a fucking joke? Yeah, I, was kind of, I saw that. You posted that. I was like, that's that's kind of a weird, oddly sexual number to post. <laughs> 69, dude. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that list is terrible. So I did a video about it. Um, and then I'll, I'll do more stuff about Predator and stuff later. What what are you what have you oh you did you did you talked about uh, well my channel awkward. my channel is uh, youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts and the last video I did was um the awkward ass interview between Bill Burr yeah. and H three H three zone Ethan Klein on the H three H three podcast. <laughs> So yeah, I have been listening to Bill Burr for like the past ten years. Bill Burr essentially started one of the first podcasts, like period. Like it was like mm-hmm. Adam Carolla, Joe Rogan, Bill Burr. Those were like some of the first guys to start podcasts, and especially comedy podcasts. Maybe not podcasts in general, but comedy podcasts. So Bill Burr is basically an old school entertainer. He doesn't really get like so bad it's good stuff he doesn't get meme culture he's just a guy like who's just straight up funny he makes funny observations he's your typical i love bill because he says he says shit 
that I think definitely does need to be said in today's day and age. You know, with this politically correct uh, landscape we are in. I love Bill. Is I love that Bill's not afraid to you know say and speak his mind and doesn't give a shit about offending people. Some of the shit he says on his podcast, I'm like, how does he get away with saying that? Like, how does he yeah. still have listeners with how fucking sensitive everyone is? He's just he's honest. He's honest, and I think he's gotten respect from a lot of people for that. So he goes on to you know the new school of entertainment, H3H3's podcast, and you know Ethan's. Like all those. See the thing with H three H three for me, I I was a pretty big fan when I was introduced to to it by a friend of mine, but lately, he he said in a video that he was depressed or whatever, and then they're gonna get back to doing goofs and gaffs and whatever and so on and so forth. But I don't know, we'll see. It's one of those things where. I I think that legal battle he had with that one YouTuber took a lot out of him. And then with the new uh, algorithm and stuff that YouTube has had, it's kind of taken a lot of his passion away from doing videos. And so the podcast became this sort of like easy, it, it was, it's an easy buck for him. And at first the podcast is kind of fun, but... I gotta admit, like I, I, I'm subscribed to the podcast channel, but like I only watch like a few clips every now and then because more often than not now, like it's not as entertaining. Uh, Ethan seems like he's just kind of putting it, sticking his own foot in his mouth too many times, saying like some really uh, dumb shit. I mean, talking like he, you like, know, I just I'm getting into the politics stuff, and I'm just like fucking. I just want you to goof. I want you to goof on things. I don't. I don't. I don't want to hear your. I don't. I don't really want to hear. I, I liked it when he was being like very like you know he he would parody stuff and I think that's what everyone liked about him. I don't want. I got so sick of even like like okay when when it got to the point to where like every week on the podcast it was a new Logan Paul thing. I don't really want to hear yeah. a thirty something year old man talk about some teeny bopper douchebag. That all the the elementary school kids are into. Well, to be honest, he kind of he did that anyway with he the did, with the kissing guy, right? And he know, did all that stuff, guy. but he he did it in a way that felt more fresh. Now it's just literally yeah. like just he's beating a dead horse with. It's like okay, dude, we get it. Logan Paul is a hack and he's cheesy and whatever. And it's just like he keeps. Yeah. And then he got that guy from um, Internet Comment Etiquette on his podcast. I think his name's uh-huh. Eric or something. And it just yeah. feel, it just felt like a bunch, and people have said this about our podcast before, but it felt like a bunch of like frat boys who like were like it feels like I find it funny that we're like frat boys. Yeah, it's been. <laughs> I, mean, I think anytime like I don't think we would have gotten in any frats. No, I know not I at all. No, I, I wouldn't have either. But I have zero ability of of any kind of sport or or of any kind. Um, except music. I wouldn't stoop to the levels, you know, the levels that they want me to, to be inducted into their fucking frat. You know, lick your shoes, lick my ass. Yeah, but... And kiss it on... I'm, I'm out. But anyway, <laughs> like, it, like, so basically, like, Ethan and, every, you know, YouTube has already like, everyone's already made their videos about the fall of H3H3 and this, that, and the other. And, and, and by the way, if you have no idea what we're talking about, you can just tune out at this point because it's not going to get any better. But, um, it, you know, everyone's just... Well, it's happening with a lot of those guys. Like, uh, Filthy Frank retired. He, he retired. I don't know who that is. Um, 
Yeah, he was he was one of those like uh, counterculture YouTubers. Uh, and uh, then you have someone like iDubs, and he hasn't done a lot lately. He's done a lot of these unboxing videos, but he hasn't done a cotton content cop in a while. And he's just kind of fallen a little bit by the wayside. So it definitely does seem like there are some of these 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 big names in this particular uh, part of YouTube have just they've honestly slowed down. Maybe they've gotten older. They, you know, are starting to settle down or whatever. Well, somebody and, did an in-depth video analysis on just how much money H3H3 makes from podcasts versus actually yeah. making videos. And he, dude, he makes so much more money from doing that yeah. stupid podcast than he was than he was with the videos, especially with how funky the algorithms. Yeah, are. I mean, if th if that's the case, then I don't blame him for doing the podcast. I mean, uh, I yeah. especially with what was going on with it's YouTube like a censoring maneuver, his videos though, to, and... to the general public. You know, it's kind of like you know you're selling out for money instead of doing what you're. But better he's at. also trying to, you know, still make a living. I mean, it's one of those things where YouTube is really starting to target videos like the stuff that he was doing and demonetize it and all of that. So like the m amount of money he could have made from some of those videos, he wouldn't he doesn't doesn't make anymore because yeah. of YouTube's new policy. Dude, I'm so over YouTube as a fucking as the as the mass video platform like because I would have never made one of these reaction videos like Bill Burr and H3H3 podcast. I would have just had a conversation about it with you or someone else who knew what I was talking yeah. about and, be, and that be the end of it. But their algorithms are forcing me to do videos like this because <laughs> this video has only been out for a day and it's already almost at 500 views for me. That is huge for my fucking channel. I was never <laughs> getting those kind of views doing oh, it's, videos it's like, I wanted. It's like when I do rants. Yeah, and it's like, it's, it's fucking sucks that, that it's like that. And it's like, so I guess what I'm going to try to do from now on is I'm just going to like I I I'm try I'm kind of starting to figure out how how to how the how to work the system. You have to in a way that's kind of selling out too though. Dude, you know. I mean, when, if you're on my level and you're getting your videos average about 120 views and and you have to do some shit to like actually get some eyeballs on your content, to me that's not selling out. I have not I have not. Well, I've had videos that aren't doing that great either lately. But it's just one of those things that I don't want to. To me, you have to you have to reach stick. critical acclaim before you can sell out, and I haven't reached anything yet. So there is no selling out <laughs> on my low ass level of YouTube right now. It's I respectfully disagree with that concept. I don't. I don't think you have to have well, critical so, acclaim. So what I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna I'm gonna do topical shit here and there to get you know to boost my analytics and then I'll throw in the videos that I want to do in the mix as well. And that's, 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 that's cover. Yeah. I, I think that's a good, so that's plan. what I'm going to just completely be in like nothing but popular topics. Yeah. You know, that wouldn't, that might not necessarily work either because there's tons of other people who are doing that. And, and even when I do cover like a popular, like a hot take or whatever, I'm going to try to do it on something I actually am passionate about, or I actually do have an opinion about and not just, you know, like a lot of these channels where it's like, oh, fuck, I got to scan the news online news for the newest thing I can be the first to make a video about. No, I don't. I don't. I'm not going to talk about the Kardashians. Yeah, I'm not going to be that guy. <laughs> I'm only going to do videos on shit because I actually do. You know, I because the video I made before that was on Eminem and his album and, you know, kind of why I feel like he he kind of like fell off in the rap game. I, well, I really liked Eminem's early stuff, so I was passionate about that. Did you hear Killshot? I did. 
yeah, I thought Eminem slayed MGK. I mean, MGK had no business like piping up to Eminem in the first place because see, Killshot to me was like, eh, that's kind of a little bit of the old Eminem. Yeah, well, I mean, Eminem cut his teeth on doing that shit. So you're gonna like step up to like a battle rapper with your fucking, you, you know, you're you're waking the pit bull, you know, like it's not that he can't do that stuff anymore. He just he she tried to move on to other parts of his career that proved to not be. And as I kind of didn't mind the Venom song that he did. Uh, for, uh, I, I the, hate. The Venom I think soundtrack. that's one of the worst songs on Kamikaze. If you listen to the other songs <laughs> on there, Venom is is by far the worst song. But anyway, I got to go and do my gig. So until next time, ladies and gentlemen, have a good rest of your week. See ya. There's going to be a lot of B-roll. What's up, everybody? Just want to remind everyone that my album, The Nightmare Inside You, is still up for sale. And we have new band t-shirts as well. All of this is in the description of this podcast. So check it out. And if you dig the music, maybe consider supporting me. Now enjoy some more of the album. probably like that segment more like at least when i'm watching it re-watching it if the fucking vhs rip wasn't in such shitty quality god damn that fucking hiss is so bad yeah sometimes it's pretty bad this this being one of those times it was just a crackle crackle snap crackle pop just uh turn on your fucking tracking for fuck's sake <laughs> god well, god damn uh, you know, well you know <laughs> tracking that's a term kids of, of nowadays aren't gonna fucking understand no but like i i i've i have tons of vhs tapes and like whenever it does that shit i turn on the tracking so clearly that didn't happen in this case when they were trying to record the the footage off the vhs they just did it without even they probably did something where they popped in the tapes and just recorded it uh, with like a DVD recorder or something, so it automatically burned whatever was recorded to a DVD. Yeah, and they didn't even think about, oh, this segment's kind of bad, or maybe I should maybe turn up the tracking a little, cause then make things a little bit better. Cause there are other segments where it's fine; you can still hear the VHS hiss or whatever, but it's not. There's not as much snap, crackle, pop as this segment had. I mean, the the Bashir one was. That that was that was fine. So you're saying it doesn't have the same cachet as a vinyl record with the pops and the uh No, no. With the pops and a vinyl record, like that's not as obnoxious to me personally. Yeah. I've Oh, okay. Someone's calling me. <laughs> oh yeah, listen to my ringtone. <laughs> How appropriate, right? Of course. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> Hello? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm about to start my podcast. What's up? Yep, right now.
No, you cannot. <laughs> no, Trey, you cannot be on the podcast. You don't even you've never even seen an episode of Unsolved Mysteries. No, I haven't. But can I one day be on one of your podcasts? Uh Probably not. I don't what, really see not? I don't really see you bringing much to the table. All right. Well, you just talk about unsolved mysteries or like for other stuff. We talk about the show Unsolved Mysteries. Sometimes we talk about cults. Oh, yeah, I probably wouldn't bring much to the table. Uh, you're right. If I did like well, a music podcast, maybe, yeah, I would have you on. Yeah. yeah or a weightlifting podcast. Absolutely. I'd be down for that. For anyone listening right now, this is my good friend Trey. I've known him for several several years and you are on speaker hello phone. trey mike says hello trey <laughs> how's it going mike doing good says he's doing good awesome so yeah man you're gonna make it into the b-roll how does that make you feel <laughs> couple thousand couple what? thousand people Sounds are gonna nice. hear you at the end of the regular podcast that's great yeah so with that in mind don't you do you have anything important or interesting to say Yes, I do. Um, the most important thing I can say right now, no matter what happened yesterday, no matter what happened this morning, just keep living on as if every moment is new. It is. Okay, we're still waiting for the important, interesting thing that you're going to say. <laughs> That's pretty much all I got, man. I'm on the fly. Uh, okay, um, that's that was boring and uh, that was boring and uninteresting. Uh, we're gonna go to our next caller now. So uh, thank you for calling in, and we will talk to you later. Goodbye. And I just hung up on him. <laughs> uh, that, that might make an interesting B-roll. I don't know. Uh, okay. Anyway, let's start this bitch. Bitch. Yep. I guess we'll start <laughs> off with fucking Wadada, dude. You want to start off with Wadada and then end it with Bashir? Okay. 